GM came out with the specs for the C8 Z, uh, Z06 they sure yesterday. Did. They sure did. It has been all over the interwebs. Five and a half liter, 670 horsepower, 8,600 RPM redline. That's outrageous. LT6 is the engine. Almost code. 700 horsepower in a. Still fiberglass? Are they fi- some kind of composite? It's fiberglass. It's fi- a fiberglass bodied car. Yeah. yeah. What? Like, mm-hmm. that's it's incredible. Have they have they announced like rough MSRP like entry where they're gonna start? It's, it's gotta be a hundred grand. It's gotta be. The last one was eighty. It's gonna turn lap times like GT threes though. Yeah. It's gonna turn lap times that are comparable with like close to quarter of a million dollar cars. That's yeah. always been the Corvette though. Yeah. It has, but not like this. Like they're they're, yeah, yeah. But the C8, I mean, the C8 turned a corner, I think. Like, mm. the move to mid-engine. And, and yeah, but even then, the price didn't change that much. That's what I mean. Yeah. I mean, the, like, it turned a corner in performance and didn't just ratchet up to, oh, now you're into, you know. Like, everything has seemed to go that way. Whatever it is, like they bring back a car that was. I, I realize the Corvette has a through line, but say like the Acura NSX, right? When they decided they were going to resurrect that, it's not the same car. No, it's not affordable by any of the people who no. could buy yeah. an NSX in 1998. It's it, it's a different thing, and so like as cool as it may be, what they're doing, and I'm not a, a ton of an American car guy, but as cool as it may be, what some of the Japanese brands are doing with these cars, like if it's not attainable for basically anyone you know, it's not as cool. And yeah. the Corvette is attainable by people you know, and that's cool. And the fact that they're still pushing the performance envelope like that is, I got to give it to them. It's the highest output naturally aspirated V8 ever in a production car. The only other, th- the, the number two is the uh, Mercedes Black. Hmm. Which was like 620 horsepower in it. Interesting. Really? That's cool. I don't think I knew the um, the SLS AMG Black Series or the know. AMG GT. I th- no, it was before those. I think it was. Probably uh, the SLS yeah. then Black Series. Um, NAV8 made like 620. This is 670. I forgot those were NA. Mm-hmm. That's pretty cool. That's wild. Yeah. Uh, did you see, I saw a... Uh, reaction to like one of the engine pictures that the starter is in the valley yep and it, welcome yes. to lexus ownership yeah <laughs> Woof. sorry it's yeah fine. Uh, they don't go bad that often they don't have and that literally everything on that car is a pain to get to anyway they That's don't have that terrible um start stop function do they everything where you, now does where, where you, do, corvettes don't though everything right? does do i'm they? pretty sure you can turn it off but yeah most huh. most things do. Yeah, you. I would turn that off just for the longevity of my starter. <laughs> yeah. So, it, a lot of those systems, uh, you have to turn them off every time you turn the key on, which is really frustrating. However, most of them, especially Ford pickup trucks, have a convenient little w- white box up underneath the uh, dashboard that controls that. And if you unplug the plug that goes to that box, it just totally turns it's that feature completely off. Brilliant. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, TikTok. I, I found that I found that information out on TikTok. Somebody was like, if you hate hitting this button, do this. And like camera swings down Thanks, and he goes click click and like it's it then it's it's gone. It's like the first thing every NA Miata owner does, which is unplug that 
yeah. horrendous door buzzer. Yeah. Like yeah. Everyone knows where they are under yeah. the dash. Yeah. It's the first thing you do. It's the same thing I've done on all my old Toyotas. Yeah. Yep. Buy yep. the car, unplug the door buzzer. Yep. yep. So you can live with the car. And like wildly, I don't think it puts any like warning lights on the dash or anything like that. That is like surprising. That. Like you just, you literally just unplug it and it's gone. Well, that's Ford. Well. That if it were a German car, oh dude, oh BMWs God. come from the factory with stored codes. I'm not. I am legitimately. <laughs> I am. They, I am. What not do they do? Kidding. They just had spares. Like, <laughs> it's just what are they doing? They're in there. constantly storing. Like there's always something. Maybe it's not bad enough to trip the light, but right. there's always error codes stored on a BMW now. That's you terrible. cannot escape them. That's terrible. It's awful. They'll store a code because they saw another car they didn't like. <laughs> Which is everyone. I don't. If it is not German, it is not good. Says German. Says German. God, my German accent's very bad tonight. It's probably never good, but especially bad tonight. Did you know, uh, while we're on a quick subject of auto start-stop engine features, did you know Mazda um, has a system, and it's not in any of the U.S. models, that does it without using the starter? It is compression ignition based. It will actually deliberately stop the engine with, heard a, of this. with a particular piston, either at top dead center or just after. And then to restart the engine from a dead stop, it will just inject fuel and spark and start on that piston. So it actually plans with the computer how it's going to shut off the engine with enough rotation to come around and stop at the right point and then just ignition restart the engine without reusing the starter and it works it works apparently and is used in japan and i think maybe even in european markets it sounds like something they'd probably do with the upcoming sky active x it wouldn't pass the at least when i read the article about it maybe a year or two ago it wouldn't pass epa regulations because their testing didn't prove that it actually reduced emissions to stop the engine and restart like with that system somehow they couldn't pass the epa's requirements for like proving that that actually saved emissions by stopping the engine and then having to restart it i don't know if it's because of how much fuel it had to re-inject to restart it with just compression instead of the starter cranking it or what but it was like after so many drive cycles and it going on and off it it equated to the same emissions and same fuel burn as idling just not having yeah it. just not having it which is why at least currently as far as i'm aware no mazdas have like auto start stop features because they just don't have a system that uses the starter to restart the engine that's as, that's as far as i know yeah i the the latest mazda i've been in is a 2019 or 20 mazda 6 that came in for paint protection film and i've never seen the little you know the a with the curvy arrow that says turn off this annoying system um to like shut it off or any i I think mazda still does not have it and i i think they're sticking to like until we can get this cool compression one to work well enough for to pass the u us they're just not going to include it so they're just like storing compression basically they just like leave cylinder one, let's say compressed, yeah, just and then just fire, yeah, it. and then because it's gas direct injection, they yeah. don't have to open the intake valves to right. get fuel into the cylinder. They just inject fuel and then spark, and then yeah. poof, it's, it's enough to fire cylinder one and enough 
turn, I guess, to fire the next one in the firing order. Or, that's or crazy. That's yeah. that's wild that it's that a single piston is enough to get the get it to turn all the way back around. Turn enough to fire the next one, I guess. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. just ready to fire all four in sequence. Right, right, right. And it's only four because Mazda doesn't make a thing, at least still right now, I think, doesn't make a thing that doesn't have a four-cylinder. Though I yeah. think the next generation six is rumored to, Inline, to have. It's confirmed. Inline it, six. Is it confirmed? Or, yes. I don't know if it's going to be a six, but their next sedan is an inline six rear-wheel drive, That's which is awesome. cool. That's and sweet. It's going to make me think about trading in my current Mazda 6. And I'm not going to do it, but I'm going to think about it. <laughs> I can promise you that. No. They're also using that same architecture for like all their upcoming SUVs as well. Nice. I, I mean, I, I feel like they've done well with the like four-cylinder in everything and then just add a turbo to the... I mean, a 2.5 turbo is... It's not going to move a CX-9 out of your way. But it's, it's not bad. It's it. They all get good fuel economy, no matter what. Pretty good as the far CX-9 as I know. CX-9 struggles to get 30. I, that I could believe, but it's, it's big. massive. It's nothing, big. nothing that big gets 30 unless it's a hybrid. Yeah. A lot of stuff smaller than that gets gets much lower mileage, I feel like, like mid-size crossovers. I mean, not... Not your RAV4 is the only example, but even modern stuff, honestly, gets like 24, you know, in, in a midsize, even with a four-cylinder. So, but Mazda's done pretty well. I think so. I really like the Skyactiv line of engines. I think it's very cool. They seem to be pretty reliable. Um, I am probably due for another one of those lovely induction services that blows all the carbon off your intake valves um, because it's gas direct injection in the six. I think I have about 95, 96,000 miles on the car now, and I've only done one of those. At I like, haven't done any at like, on the at like 30 or 40,000, I had one done, and then I just kind of. I was gonna. I told myself I'd do it Who every does like that? 30 does to dealership 40. Do that? They can. Some of the. Um, some like tire and service centers that use like BG products have the whole kit set up. And when my buddy Brad, hi Brad, um, Brad Morris used to work at um, a tire shop that was all like a, a BG product shop. Um, he had the whole system. So I, I took it up there and had him do it one time. And it was like extremely affordable because it wasn't the dealership. Um, I've seen some kits where they hook up to shop air and they will literally just walnut like you take the intake manifold off and you walnut blast the backside with the engine like the head still in the car you just turn it over so the valves are closed walnut blast the backside of the valves while and it's like vi- vacuuming it all out inside mm-hmm. huh. i've seen that before that's kind of crazy i think cork sport actually makes an adapter so you can do it yourself at home for like speed threes that doesn't sound risky no (laughs) (laughs) that there's no chance of walnut shells in people's engines trying to homebrew that a mazda speed three i guess also mazda speed six throttle body costs like seven hundred dollars from the dealership and cork sport sells a larger one for 350 thanks cork sport there we go What's $700? What? What's, what's in it, there? What's it made of? It's just a normal electric throttle body. It's nothing special. That's insane. It's they just made really low production numbers or something? Like shelves aren't stocked, so you better really want one if you're going to buy one? I guess. I don't know. I mean, it wasn't like on crazy back order from Mazda when I checked last, but I mean, the price <sighs> was... I, I was taken aback. I, was, I, I, I don't blame you. Of, that's a lot of dollars. Been, yeah, that's like... That's like 
a lot of dollars. Many dollars. Yeah, I was going to say it's like a, a quarter of an engine for some uh, like affordable engines yeah. for cars. Mm-hmm. Like, that's preposterous. Yep. But then that's dealership supply chains. They kind of get to name their price for stuff. Yeah. I, I, um, the only reason my six has been at the dealership uh, in 96,000 miles or whatever it's got on it, uh, it's been twice to the dealership. Uh, once because the catalytic converter was clogged at about 70,000 miles. Uh, the primary Why? cat. I don't know. I don't actually know. It just started throwing codes for uh, cat bank one under efficiency. Um, but thankfully, federal emissions warranty is a thing, which I was not aware of. Um, it's federal law mandates that uh, certain emissions equipment like catalytic converters are covered up to 80,000 miles. Even if your car is out of manufacturer warranty, those items are covered by federal emissions warranty. Interesting. And so I took it in at like 70 or 75,000 miles and they replaced the integral exhaust manifold catalytic converter thing. Those what would have been are insane looking. Uh, and it, ever seen I think it... The, the parts cost was over a thousand dollars and the labor would have been at least another thousand because you have to drop the subframe it's like uh, that's one of those transverse engines where the intake is toward the front and the exhaust is on the backside and it just like ducks under the floorboard between the subframe and the floor yeah. and the cat's attached to it so they have to take the whole subframe down and stuff that was done for free which was dope uh, the only other reason I took it back was like last month um that car has mazda's ie loop i was about to i was going to bring that up earlier it is a grand touring so it has the regenerative braking that feeds a quick discharge capacitor which just provides extra electrical power and, and sheds load off the alternator for fuel economy it was a grand touring trim only option uh the lower trims just had normal battery alternator whatever but they got like three to four fewer mpg that battery finally threw a you know it was like battery charging system malfunction the car still drove fine but i had a feeling that i mean at four and a half years old and 90 plus thousand miles like most cars are even if it's a normal 12 volt battery are gonna need a battery and it's just a specialty battery through Mazda. It's the actual like battery battery for the car not the capacitor it, yeah it it apparently is just the ie loop battery i i it may all be linked i'm not 100 percent sure um is it like an agm battery instead of a lead acid battery it's like 500 dollars. i can Oof. tell you that through the dealership but i did not want to chance it with any even if somebody makes an aftermarket one that claims it fits it just was like if i get another 90 to ninety-five thousand miles out of the next battery like one one service that was you know 500 it was like 580 by the time it was done. They had to reprogram it, which was 60 bucks. That was the other thing. There's some reprogramming that goes with that system. And um, it, it felt new car stuff. Yeah, it felt cheap enough. And that car has not, you know, not put me out in any way since I've owned it, really. I have changed all the oil myself. I have just changed the oil, put gas in it, put a set of tires on it, put a set of brakes on it. Like, that's it besides the cat and now the battery everything else about it works so uh i'm 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 a pretty happy customer with with mazda recently and now i own three technically until i sell the the old one to somebody soon i need i need to put it back together soon while the market is still 
feeling hot, hot, hot. Because those cars are like fetching seven, eight grand in certain conditions. And I've got a lot of good parts. It's got rocker rust. It's It's got the problems. But if anybody out there is looking for like a pretty well sorted NA Miata and Fortune 500s with sway bars and reinforcement brackets and good ready br- for boost, good brakes and ready for a turbo. Um, it'd be, it'd still be a great car. It's got a good glass window, soft top. I know here I am on the podcast trying bar. to sell my car. <laughs> yeah, and a roll bar. Um, it's it really would be a pretty good track platform for somebody who just has a little more time and, and space and effort to dedicate to it but with the mr2 tying up the garage and the lift taken down i i cannot have a car in like project true project car stat uh, another car in true project car status the mr2 has taken up that slot so it's time uh i had the na for i think i've had it 11 years now um you know i went to my first track event with it at hyperfest like three years ago i did a hyperdrive with it um that was my very first like on track experience i did my first autocross in my own car in that car um jordan graciously actually let me do my first ever autocross in the fx you remember that yeah yeah the last one of the season in like 18 or something something like that yeah i came out and we we co-drove and that was a lot of fun the car was a lot different then i'd actually be really interested to drive it again now and just see like the only much, I mean the steering, but you didn't have just the steering. You had the conies, but I didn't think you'd finished like all the camber plates and had you done all that? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. I guess it's just the power steering then. And the car uh, hasn't changed that much. Alignment and tires. Alignment's and, eh, good stuff. bad right now. Is it? I haven't had it aligned in like two years. It's been a minute. And you went off track. Yep. So, so I'm gonna get it aligned before next time. season, but I I I, I was you're looking, doing uh, you're doing Dominion right in November yeah. mm-hmm. November 13th um, I'll be at Dominion um, I have taken both of those rear caliper pins out and uh, I went and bought some Permatex high temperature thread sealant uh-huh. or not sealant uh, uh, it's no, Perma- like it's, Permatex it's brand JB Loctite and I used yeah. that on the pins in the calipers, so they're not coming out. And then I also JB welded the caps on the calipers, so those aren't coming off. So we should be good now yeah. with the rear calipers. I, I re-listened to that episode and rewound that section where you're describing the problem like two or three times. And I was there and yeah. saw the thing. I still don't understand okay. how the things go together. Picture a caliper bracket. I yeah. don't either. Yeah. The top slide pin yeah goes on the caliper bracket before you put the it just threads in and then the slide part just sticks out a steel tube that is the slide pin Mm -hmm. held on by a bolt in the caliper bracket that goes on before the caliper goes on just the top one and then (laughs) you just slide the caliper onto the top one one, pivot it down pivot it down and then put a so that top and then you put the bolt through the bottom so that top slide pin okay, I can is captive inside the caliper. There is no external And there's access. no reason for it to ever come out. Yeah. And now Jordan has made sure that there's no reason for it to ever come okay, out. The so, access okay. to that bolt is just a, a very lightly pressed on sheet metal cap on the rotor that's not supposed to come off. But it came off, and then the bolt was able to come out. So... That now ain't it gonna can't. happen. <laughs> so, but the okay, the I I I got you. I I'm I'm tracking now. The bolt that holds the pin on, 
comes in from inboard of the car, right? Yes. And and like goes through the through, through the, the pin through the pin into the caliper into the caliper. Okay. Bracket. Okay. So is the is the bracket threaded or is the yes. pin threaded? The bracket is threaded. The bracket. pin is just a hollow tube of metal. Gotcha. Okay. With a little ridge for the the boot to sit on. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay, I I'm I'm tracking now. Yeah, I'm yeah. tracking now. No, I needed that explanation yeah. too. And now that he's described it, I can picture yeah. it. But yeah, I, w- I couldn't picture it before. And then when you were like, "I'm gonna JB weld this thing in," <laughs> yeah. oh, it's on. Yeah. Like, uh, it does. There's no reason for it if to be you a separate have to piece. Take it apart. Yeah, now right, I understand. Right, that, right, right, like right. It, I'm pretty sure it's only a separate piece because it was cheaper for them to cast the caliper that way and then add the cap to it. Probably. Right. Right. So, okay. Nickels and dimes car manufacturing stuff mass oh. production yeah. yeah so i i i put those in um i changed the oil i'm probably gonna need to bleed, ooh, bleed the brake fluid um and then i also i i noticed my tires i got looked at a lot of the pictures from hyperfest i also I need, noticed your tires i need more negative camber yes, i think um i i went full eyeball spec on this and just yeeted my rear camber plates all the way in. <laughs> so it is full negative right now. I don't know what that is. It probably changed the it toe is too. So <laughs> it it by doing that I probably gave it some rear toe in, which sure, why not? For one event I'll be fine. Yeah. Um especially a Dominion. It's, yeah. It's not as, it's not as high the speed worst. Track. No. Thing. I'll 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 get it I'm gonna take it over it, to Delta V over It probably won't it good. won't turn in as well. No. But it'll be more stable. Yeah. It'll be fun. Uh, I have a question for you actually yes. about brake fluid. Okay. Um what is the what is the deal? That's my uh, Jerry Seinfeld. It's not very good. What is the deal with the Motul stuff? Do you really have to like bleed out six inches of brake fluid after every track day? Is that is it one of those Do you like have to? No. Are you supposed to after, like? It just, go, this is I why I go, haven't gone to Motul stuff. It's not just Motul. It's any time you track your car, the fluid is getting so hot. It's probably a good idea to at least get the cal- the fluid that was in the, in caliper, the caliper out. out. Okay. So I basically I, every two my car is so light and so is yours that it, you're you're not working the brakes as hard as say like a Mustang would be, um, or so, a Kia Stinger, or apparently a, yeah for real. Um, watching I, watching Chris Saltzman like break into turn one at VIR is quite a thing because that is a big heavy car going surprisingly their fast. No, and 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 I don't mean to derail you. It's just that's. Like that's one of the examples of a car that is just begging its brakes to do a lot of work. Yeah, um, I I I like to do it after every two events. I'd same with engine oil. I'll go two events on oil and change it. Yeah, I am kind of out of time to do that, but I told myself I was going to do it before Summit this weekend. I think it'll be fine. I changed it before Hyperfest. So It'll I probably did. be all right, and hyper hyperdrive wasn't that hard on it. Yeah, it's um, yeah, it was a lot of time in the high RPMs. It was the whole session. I know it was only fifteen. It was only minutes, one session. Like, yeah, like fifteen twenty minutes. But then I did the whole track day at VIR, except for the one session that got cut short when I spun it and called it a day because um, I had to drive the car home, and then I did the Blue Ridge cruise. So it's yeah. 
I haven't changed the oil on the MR2 in like a year and a half. Well, you barely drive that that's, car. Yeah, it's it, it'll, it's going to be fine. You'll yeah. be all right. Just make sure the level's good. Yeah, that's really it. I figure I'll check that. But uh, I, I've got a. I realized I have to pack tomorrow night for not only this weekend but for next week because I'm going to SEMA. What? For the first time in my life. What? This was why I said earlier, if you wanted to ask me what I'm doing next week. Uh, I was waiting for my registration to actually get confirmed because this was very last minute. Um, but yeah, my boss is sending me to SEMA, which is hella cool. Are you like manning a booth? Or no, are you just going I there to am, walk around? I am going there to walk around. I am going there for work to see what's out there product-wise in our segment of the industry, to learn what we don't know. We stay pretty insulated at our shop. We use the same products day in, day out. We, You know, you get a little bit tunnel vision, and it's good to get out of your little corner of the industry every now and then and make sure, especially in a small business, that you're you're in the right place. You're still using the right stuff. You you know, there's not something world beating out there that you should know about. So that's the point. My boss went maybe five years ago for the same reason, just to see, you know, what was out there. And, and basically what he came back with was we're using the right stuff and we're doing the right things and we're going to stick to it. Um, but he felt like it was time for one of us to go again. He, we're so busy. He can't really justify himself going. So I've worked there nine years finally got the perk of uh oh the, yeah the, yeah, the company <laughs> Damn, paying for me to really go to see cool. yeah, that is pretty sweet i'm though. really stoked i have been thinking about this since since high school you know it's like since we all heard of, of chip foos and and overhauling and knew like oh they're building a car for sema what is you know I've, I've been hearing about that for forever um so yeah i'm really i'm stoked to go make sure you wear your mask because oh, i've yeah. i have heard of Many people going to SEMA and they all come back with the SEMA ick. Mm. Whatever, what somebody brings something, uh, I you don't want to come back with it. I'm, uh, I'm actually t- I'm try real hard to maybe get my booster uh, tomorrow at lunch if I can, if I can line it up at a CVS. But um, because I'm going to the track this weekend, I need to. I built a tire trailer. That's the other thing I recently did. Um, I've had this little Harbor Freight utility trailer for like two years. I was going to tow it with my NA. I actually put a, a hitch on that, and it just was never ready for track duty. Um, so I never bothered building the trailer into a tire-capable trailer with a toolbox and all the stuff that I wanted on it. Um, so this past weekend, um, shout out as as you guys often do to Jacob Corbin um, for having fantastic fabrication tools at what home. a guy what a guy what a guy Bro. a being good at fabricating things and and b um just being a super friendly dude and, and letting me use his stuff um took it over to his house he actually came and picked it up at my house threw it in the back of his truck one night last week and took it over to his house so it would be waiting there for last weekend um so i went over saturday and built that um got it painted over the weekend so it's like ready to go um I need to set up the tire trailer, hook it up to the car, pack all the stuff for camping at Summit Point this weekend, and then pack my bags because I'm driving the Miata to work on Friday and then leaving from work and going to my parents' house, which is kind of, they're like an hour from Summit Point. They're up in like northwestern Virginia area, kind of out like between Warrington and Luray. Um, so it's going to be way more reasonable to get up Saturday morning and drive from their house to the track after sleeping in a real bed. Nice. 
than to get up at 3.30 or whatever Adam and Kate always do. I don't know how they do that. And then go up there and drive HPDE all day long and then try to like camp and hang out. And they usually work the events too. They work registration and tech. I don't understand people that can just wake up like that. I I, know. Nor do I. Young people. Just... I just oh, I do. I never, I never. Do when I was young, never. Yeah. I've never been I did able it once to go to Bear Mountain. I woke, I stopped at Delaware and woke up at three a.m. If I'm Bear really Mountain. excited Sucked. about an event, I can. That's the only. That's like the one day a year. The, okay, this is this I is can what get up at four in the morning and just be like, I'm ready to go. This is what happens Let's to me. It. I get like, say we're gonna do that, or even worse, you have to make a flight, right? At, oh no, at, I've I've slept at zero a flight. at zero dark thirty, right? I get so anxious about having to wake up or yes, you cannot go to that sleep. I can't go to sleep yeah. and I, uh, or I'll just like make myself sick with I anxiety. Get the anxiety poos. I, I just, I'll, I'll just like feel like I have to throw up for 12 hours before I go to bed. And it's like, yeah, how, how are you going to go to bed and you feel like vomiting? Yeah. You know I, mean? I don't, it doesn't get quite that bad for me, but I do lay there just like, all right, time to go to sleep. Mm-hmm. Time to go to sleep. Four yeah. hours later, time to go to yep. sleep. Yep. Yep. yep, yep, just sleep. Yep. Just close your eyes. Yeah. Hey, it's hey, like, honey, sh- grab that frying pan. Hit me real good right here. Up brain. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it is terrible. So I am hoping that you know going up and staying at my parents' house is going to be That's much a good more move. like chill for That's the evening. That's a good move. Yeah, for sure. Um, sleep in a real bed and then get up at not four a.m. I think Eric and I met at four forty-five to go down to VIR because it was mandatory drivers meeting at was tech started at seven Lord. So I met him at, I got up at four fifteen in the morning and met him at four forty five at Wawa so that we could leave at five and get to the track like at seven and then get through tech by eight. And then driver's meeting was, it, it was just like, that's why I always go down I, the night before. It's so if, much easier. If, if, uh, Eric had overnight babysitting for friends of theirs daughter that they watch sometimes, um, it, which was the only reason he and I didn't go down the night before um, or p- plan a place to stay. He was just like, nah, I got to do that, but I can go, we can get up early that morning and I'll go with you. Um, so yeah, we had to leave out stupid early. So I'm trying to avoid that. So I got to, I got to pack everything for both things because then I will come home Sunday night, presumably late from the track, get up and go into work for Monday morning just to like get the week rolling. And then I fly out at like two in the afternoon or three, somewhere around there Good for grief. Vegas. Sweet. Vegas for the Take week. Take many pictures. That's so awesome. I, I'm, yeah, I will as much as I can without them smacking my camera out of my hand and going, media, like a, media only. Oh, I'm, I'm come sure. On. You know, they already sent the email that's like, no videos, and no this, and no... It's like, okay, <laughs> I just want to come enjoy your event, okay? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I was a little I was a little worried because it's an industry-only event, and so you have to prove that you work in the automotive industry to attend. It's not open to the general public, which is like, that's pretty easy, but we just didn't have quite the right documentation ready and i s- did all this stuff what two days ago monday i planned all this stuff and s- booked the flights and the hotel and registered for the event and then waited until today before they said your registration's approved so i was nervous for two days and not sure that i was actually yeah. gonna get to go because i thought like if i get to monday like we're just gonna have to cancel the trip if they'd never approve me to actually go to the event i just was afraid it was too late they're scrambling they're not getting through 
applications for registration, but thankfully they did in a couple of days. And uh, yeah, stoked. I'm, Sick. I'm ready. Yeah, that should be That's really awesome. Cool. So I will make sure to come back and tell you all how SEMA goes. Hundred percent. I've had a I've had a pretty stacked automotive world in it's the, been in the past crazy i think i've only had the nd for maybe three months now and in that time i put brakes sway bars springs tires and a roll bar on the car which was pretty much all i wanted to do to it i put a seat lowering bracket in it i i think i would like to put bucket seats in it uh, i am a i am a slimly built person um, and the stock seats are okay um, but it's not the Recaros. It's just the stock like sport seats or whatever. Um, the side bolstering is just like four inches too wide. And I He's did a very skinny boy. I did find at VIR. I was just hanging onto the steering wheel through like turn one, like the stuff that really sweeps for a long time. I'm just like curved like a shrimp to one side <laughs> with my ribs up against and just hanging onto the steering wheel and that's not a comfortable way to drive um so i have a couple of recaro pole positions that were given to me by a, a dude that races um bmws and, and audis i think he's done um but like spec e30 e36 type stuff um and they of course have to all their safety gear has to be like within certification they all run out after two three years and so they're pulling them out of the car and then putting new ones in and so he said he had like five sitting in a shed which were like perfectly good recaro bucket seats that's the nice thing about hpde is you're not required to have super current safety equipment as yeah long as it's installed properly you're all right well i drove i i had to uh he has a super cool he's got a couple really cool cars but he's got a super cool um 993 uh 911 in oak green which is like a paint to sample kind of forest green color beautiful um satin black wheels like everything is just very understated besides like the gold porsche crest which is gold on like all of them but it's just it's a nice offset just gorgeous car um and he lives out in keswick which is like most of the way to charlottesville probably 45 minute drive from from my work and the only way that we could get the car down to our shop or the easiest way because he was going to be out of town or something was uh he let us come pick it up and let me drive it from there back to the shop and he has two of these uh pole positions in that car and driving it back to the shop i was like this seat fits me perfectly like i don't need to even look for a seat all i got to do is ask this guy like which size what is, is this? this seat what size is it you know whatever uh because that's just when i get race car stuff together i'm gonna buy one of these because it's it's perfect um and that's when i asked him like what seats are those he was like yeah i actually have like five identical ones just sitting in a shed like two two of them are in my sims and then i think i've got like three more spares and uh, you can just have them i can't put them in the race car thousand dollars yes yeah uh the only problem is one is missing just the back pad just the mid back pad it's got the bottom and it's got the shoulder and everything headrest is all padded uh, it just needs a back pad the other one is missing the back and the bottom pads and it's hard to buy just seat cushions for you could make for race one. seats you, you could i just it'd be nice to have the ones that are like pre-made just velcro stick them in there and off you go especially for the one that has this just missing the back pad they're really hard to find i considered putting those in the mr2 but i think it's gonna stay more of a street car so it will probably just retain the stock seats um which i like they're pretty good they're very for, comfortable for street stuff yeah um 
So I think I might try to get those pole positions together and then um, put those in the ND for track stuff. Because um, that's the one other problem Miatas tend to have is getting low enough. I'm very tall in the torso and very short in my legs. I like a very upright seating position. And the problem with that is when it comes to like broomstick test and clearing a roll bar with a helmet on, VIR's rule is broomstick plus two inches. That's so crazy. Now, I have not seen them be hard line on that, but that's crazy. Like you, if you're taller than five foot four you cannot do that in a miata of any gener maybe the nc i don't know but like the roll bars can only go so high and still be able to fold the top up and you can only get the seat so low like that's why jacob corbin hasn't gone to the track yet in his he would have to do a floor drop and put like a kirky with no pads in it just to get anywhere close to a broomstick plus two inch clearance from his roll bar so it's that's the tough thing i put a seat lowering bracket in the nd it got me down to like roll bar plus a half inch from my helmet and they they let me run at the porsche track day nobody even checked they didn't make me sit in the car they're just like yep you passed tech but i'm a little nervous that the first like if i try to go to a nasa hpde and i roll up and they're like they put me through tech and that's one of the things they check they'll just be like sorry you can't run here i've wasted my money for the whole weekend yeah so i may try to to do some like pci brackets or something you know planted or one of those that's got like aftermarket just stamped metal brackets fixed brackets for bucket seats and try to put that thing absolutely down on the floor and then hope that that gets me close enough that you know you just scooch forward a little bit and mm-hmm. just, just maybe slouch maybe a little slouch. no this is how i this is my comfortable driving position obviously mm-hmm. you know my butt's like four inches forward in the seat <laughs> um but that's summit point is just broomstick like as long as you're below it, you're good. And I think most tracks are. So I don't, like, even one inch is hard to, like, that's, I just don't know. You'd basically have to be sitting on the floor of the car and then, like, I can't see out the windshield at that point. Like, what am I supposed to do? So it's, I guess the one tough thing about tracking Miatas, unless you put a hard top on them. And that's the other thing I've heard is, like, nobody will ever make you, especially if it's a hard bolted on hard top, like in a spec Miata, Nobody will ever make you unbolt your hardtop to check it. And I'm not saying I'm not saying I don't believe in like safety regulations and safety gear. Like I absolutely do. And and like within reason, you know, people still have to be able to afford to go to the track and do yeah. stuff like this. Um, yeah, there should be requirements. I know your helmet story was like it was a, a pain. But it makes sense, but like at least I, I would I wouldn't have been mad if it was a consistently applied rule. Sure. And maybe it, all I could think was maybe it's supposed to be, and you basically just got lucky multiple times. Maybe. And then just the one time they're like, hey, the rule is actually, you know, SA 2015 or whatever, that um, automotive versus motorcycle snow. But um, I do believe in that stuff. It's just like, there's certain things I feel like I can't see how you could even physically achieve them. Like in no, a given platform. No convertible could reasonably do that unless it was a dedicated, like, speedster. But if it's a modern convertible with the, like, exploding deployable rollover protection, like BMW Z4s and, and Mercedes convertibles and stuff, they'll let you run. If it has that. But the Miata doesn't. And the factory roll hoops 
rightfully don't account for anything as far as track safety gear because they're like having taken them off of my car i don't know if you guys have ever seen them outside the little plastic shells it is aluminum tubing which is pretty thin wall and it is like mig welded on with like two or three little like one inch welds to another it just absolutely looks like it would fold over the second the car at any speed like if you rolled over at really low speed the car just basically turned over i bet they would like that mustang at summit point in that video (laughs) did you see that video i don't think i did no a guy in a sn95 i think can i think it was a convertible at summit point and he had like some kind of brake issue going into turn one. So he's doing a little over a hundred miles an hour and gets squirrely, goes off the track and like slides sideways through the gravel into the tire wall. And then the slowest rollover I have ever seen, he goes <laughs> boop into the tire wall and the car just goes mm, blomp, right <laughs> under the roof. <laughs> like back, back toward the direction he came. Yeah. Like the tire wall it finally bounced. stopped him and then he. Yeah, it bounced him back. Yeah. And he, like, it was the slowest rollover I have ever seen in my entire life. It was hilarious. And, but, like, even then, the entire windshield frame, like, crushed in. And, yeah. like, if he hadn't had a roll bar, he would have been in trouble. Yeah. Like, yeah. even at that super low speed rollover, it's it's really important. Yeah, for sure. So, uh, like I say, I, I I do believe in in that stuff and having proper safety gear. It's just like, it's a strange regulation. It seems to me. I haven't been to a million tracks. I haven't looked at the regs at at a lot of tracks. But from what I've heard from people like Eric, from guys who've driven Miatas specifically and done track stuff at a bunch of different places, um, like VIR is the only like the total one off place that has this like crazy like extra two inch. I just you'd have to be five six or shorter. I I can't see how you do stuff it. like that is often written after something terrible has happened. So there must have been a crash at some point that was particularly terrible, and that's why that rule exists. Is yeah. Somebody got hurt really bad one time. Probably, yeah. Unfortunately, I guess that is how a lot of those rules get. Corey, did you see any strange or cool vehicles on your road, your very long road trip? Uh, no, I don't think I saw anything. Um, I was gonna gonna bring up one more bit of news that um, Chevy released the new crate, their new crate motor, the six twenty three ZZ. I saw this thousand horsepower, naturally aspirated, ten and a half liter motor. Absolutely it's insane. So- bonkers what do you put that in that's not a boat a a c3 corvette (laughs) that's actually a really good answer i I, that's what i know crate motors wind up going in all the time like people restore the car and the engines from back then were terrible god awful and so you just buy a crate motor and boy if you could shoehorn that one in there and yeah uh, crack every fiberglass panel half. yeah like show the, the first time you launch show trucks i mean I, yeah. yeah i don't know rock crawlers trucks like, yeah drag, drag probably trucks. like old c10s and yeah, stuff yeah. like guys guys are gonna put them in those i mean as as far as i know it's the same big block architecture novas. that they've been running it's just more drag stuff novas chevelles yeah. probably yeah but it's just that's just insane. Th- yeah, a thousand N-A. horsepower NA yeah. crate motor. Yeah, like just 
for sale to the general public. Yeah. I remember um, when they when they launched the uh, was it the five twenty seven big block they had for a Could while be. that was like seven hundred horsepower NA or something like that, like really crazy. Um, it was on uh, Power Block TV uh, in, in one, on one of those shows. They put it in like a like a like a 57 Bel Air or something something along those lines dear god and put a T6 transmission behind it and it got 26 miles to the gallon wow because you could basically just idle oh, in yeah, 6 it year just needed no yeah. throttle yeah. <laughs> you basically didn't have to open the throttle to drive the car yeah. around it's just like absolutely <laughs> sipping fuel. yeah yeah that's with with a 6 speed yeah. behind it like Torque, it, insane, Torque, baby, insane. That's that's the nice thing about a lot of the V8 cars that work, where it's like if it has a manual, you don't even have to touch the gas to get it to move. Yeah, you just, just let the clutch just out ease, ease just the goes. clutch out, put it back in. It coast. just goes. Yeah, very true. We've had a 21 Ford GT Heritage Edition in the shop for far too long. I'm surprised but they, that thing's pretty cool. I thought they stopped making those. Are they still making them oh, to 21? Uh, n- well, no. It was still. It's still a brand new car. Um, it's just been sitting. Uh, it's a dealership, a Ford dealership owner's car. Technically, I think it's a dealer car. It hasn't been sold yet, so it's still new and unsold from twenty one. But yeah, it's a, a twenty one Heritage Edition, so it's like the the Ken Miles throwback livery. Um, if you saw a Ford versus Ferrari, the the sort of red, white, and dark blue that they did on his GT40 race car oh, that he won yeah, Le Mans yeah. with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it is done the same livery pattern, but all the dark blue is just masked off exposed carbon fiber bodywork. So it's red, white, and carbon, carbon fiber, which is pretty cool. And when I first saw the pictures of the car before we went to um, figure out how the hell to get it to our shop, um, which was a whole task in and of itself, he wound up driving it ridiculous um when i saw the pictures of it i was afraid all that stuff was vinyl and i was like boy msrp on that car is like 715 i think as spec to that one uh and i was like oh boy they just did like vinyl graphics all over it didn't they and i was so pleased when i showed up to see it's all done with paint it's all clear coated over like it's that's cool it's probably worth its price tag yeah yeah yeah, as much as anything can be with an ecoboost v6 they make a lot of power they do i i respect them there's just something i don't know all the sense of occasion that the styling has to that car it just it like feels de- underwhelming. It demands like a V10. Yeah. Yeah. I'm yeah. with you. I'm even with a, you. even a gnarly V8 with a supercharger like they did in the 05 That's why those cars are, the whatever. values have gone through the roof. It's because when you fire that thing up, it sounds like it looks. Like yeah. you're just like, yeah. hell yeah, that's what that should sound like. Exactly. Um, when you when you push the button and the EcoBoost V6 turns over, like it, it's, it sounds like an Explorer. It, Kind with a with an Akrapovich exhaust. That yep. it's kind of what it sounds like. Yeah, some down it's just a little disappointing. That that thing's pretty cool. Um, we're tired of looking at it. It's been in the shop for like a month and a half because we took it in when our schedule was already really full, and then oh, just my sweet summer child just told him that we were gonna fit it in. Oh yeah, I'm sure you know all about that. We have cars in the shop that have been there since before I got there a year and a half. You're ago. waiting on parts though. No, we're not. It's just taking forever to get them right. 
and it's really fr- most of them okay. are old pieces of crap that have completely unrealistic goals. That's very that's fair, but we're we're not waiting on any of that stuff. We're just waiting on us to literally have time, and that's that's the struggle. I was there. Was today Wednesday? I left work at six forty-five today, and that felt early because I was there till midnight last night working on the GT to try to get it done. Like all I can do is all we can do is just work on it after hours. Like the work day ends, and then the second work day begins. I hope you're hourly. That's crazy. I am. Good. I am. So there is that. I'm at like thirty-four hours this week. Dope. Yeah. So I'll be hitting OT before I fly out to Vegas, which Excellent. is yeah should should be all right. Steve, thanks for coming. Yeah. This was this was a lot of fun. Oh, I was Absolutely. glad to come. Uh, sorry if I just talked and talked and talked. I feel like Z talked a good bit. Hi, Z. Um, no, so I mean... It should be allowed, I guess, when you I have mean, a no, guest on. But yeah, that's why we... a guest on so that they can talk about the I things guess. that they know about. Yeah. That's what it's that, for. That's why, that's why we bring damn it, I've on. sponsored this show all season. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> I've heard the right. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, sponsorship may or may not include actual money. <laughs> no, thank you guys for having me. It was a lot of fun. Always it's always fun. good to, to sit around and have a beer and, uh, and chat with the fine folks. Yeah, that's literally why we do this. Yeah, is yeah. cause like, we just want to, we just want to sit around and talk about car stuff. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm trying to think of, um, if you have me on another time and maybe, I don't know if it's too much complexity with, with Pierce, with four people. Miss you, Pierce. Um, but if you if you have me back again, I'll try to bring some other. I feel like so. Here's the thing. I, I know you guys kept joking about we got to finally have Steve on the show this season, and uh, so every time I'd see like a cool car, I'd be like, oh yeah, I got to remember to mention that. To the guy. And I just I've forgotten all of it. Yeah, of course. You asked course, me about yeah. my stuff, and yeah. I rambled for an hour, and then I was like, I don't remember anything cool. I did see after you guys. I will say, here's the one I remember real quick when you guys talked about the most mediocre car of all time. Okay. Yes. Yeah, I'll, I'll take your. I'll take it. Go ahead. So excited about this. Right and now. you and you settled on that that era Gallant specifically in beige. The next day, no, <laughs> no, I, I pulled into the parking lot at work, and someone who works in the building owns one in beige. <laughs> and I literally never saw they've probably worked there the th- whole three years I've been working <laughs> in this building. I never saw it until then and i and that was it i was like confirmed it is by far Uh the most mediocre car of all time i have physically not it it's it's like a phantom it doesn't register (laughs) as a car it's an object it doesn't yeah i just was really i wanted you guys to know that you nailed it you absolutely like i saw i saw one out on the road i was like I know I've been seeing these, but I haven't seen them. (laughs) I haven't noticed them for years. They are among us. Yeah. Yeah, they're out there. You guys are soothsayers. I don't know. I don't know. You called this, spoke them back into existence. I thought you'd appreciate that one. That's that's fantastic. All right. um, Plugs, Jordan, where can we follow you? Uh, I'm on Instagram at the Daily Downshift. Uh, I have a blog with more detailed car things at the Daily he, Downshift. He does. I'd like you to teach me how to do a blog because I hit the Instagram caption limit on my last <laughs> where I was like, it's, a, it's, t- it's time to get a blog. I guess I'm way too verbose for Instagram. I, I feel bad. Google's. I think Google bought Blogspot, and now it's just called like. 
blogger or whatever. Oh, and if so you have a Google account, yeah. you ju- it just mm-hmm. cool. Yeah, I I may do that. I you know I I get you get your own URL. It's nice. Yeah, I get a little wordy on my Instagram posts. I know, and and you said you enjoy. That. I, I do. I really took that. To I do too. When you said yeah. you enjoyed reading them, because I was yeah. like, God, nobody nobody hits show more on these. I do every like, time. Oh God, Steve's at it again. <laughs> <laughs> I literally I I put the. I finished in in the first comment on my last one. I was like, oh, and I forgot to mention in the second picture. It's just my stupid tire trailer. But yeah, um, I am on Instagram at I am understeer. Um, Doesn't really apply anymore. What Um, did it used to apply to? You see how I cleverly baited him into asking me about it? (laughs) That was very cleverly (laughs) done, Steve. Snuck it right in there. I'll, I'll try to tell that story extremely quickly. Um, way back in high school, early car days with friends, like four car friends, four or five people in our group, because of things that had happened to them in their early driving experiences, got assigned understeer, oversteer, countersteer, three of us who were super into driving. And then a couple of our other friends got custom. We, we had t-shirts made that just literally, I had a black t-shirt with giant block white letters that just said understeer. Um, because I understeered my dad's Mustang into a fence. Hi dad. Um, the roads were sponsor wet. This podcast. <laughs> yeah. It's my dad, the new sponsor. I'll have to let him know. Uh, 99 Mustang V6 automatic. I just took a more than 90 degree turn onto a road that I thought was a 90 degree turn. Ah. A little too fast in the rain. And I just turned, I, I, I was what, 16, 17, you know, I'd, I'd just gotten my license. I just didn't know cars that well. I was like, it's a Mustang. Turn the wheel. It'll go. It's a sports car. Mm. Uh, and the road was wet and it just went like, did not make the turn and went through a bush and halfway into a fence. And thankfully it bent the lower core support a little bit, but didn't bust the radiator. Didn't break anything substantial, scratch the hood. It polished out. Like it was, the car was fine. I, mm-hmm. I lucked out. Mm-hmm. Um, so my buddy Jason was counter steer cause he had a 90 Chevy Caprice, which was one of those like uh remaindered cop cars that yep, was yep. S- stripped back down for the street. Um, and he would just whip the tail out everywhere in the snow, in the rain, like one wheel wonder open diff. That's amazing. Know? So that's he was counter steer. Our friend Dan was oversteer. Like that was, that's the background. So I got, I am understeer when I was still on what live, live journal, <laughs> something oh boy. aim, you know, like, yeah. like way wow. back wow. in the day. And then at some point you just get lazy and that is what it is. That it's, you are who you are indefinitely. It's a solid internet handle. New and I, I pretty good. I won't lie. I feel, I just feel like it doesn't apply because now I drive like rear wheel drive, rear wheel drive cars for, for sporty stuff. And almost never do I find myself under steering into a bad situation, but it is what it is. I established the name early and darn it. I'm going to keep it because it's easier to remember. Corey is at, C. Dot Cre- dot Crehan? It's dot Crehan, yeah. C. Dot Crehan. Yeah. For good food and rip pants. That's right. I've heard it enough. As always. I can deliver it now. <laughs> Thank you all very much for listening. We're also at Beer and Backfire Podcast. On the things. On the things. Oh, yeah. Is we it have just at Beer and Backfire on Instagram? I think it's yeah. at Beer and Backfire on Instagram. Mm. It is. We do have an email address. It's either Beer. I think it's Beer and Backfire Pod. Yes. It's either beer and backfire <laughs> at gmail.com. Hi, folks. Or we don't know. <laughs>
Hi, folks. <laughs> Welcome back. We've just checked already. <laughs> yeah, I can't. Um, it's either beer and backfire at gmail.com or beer and backfire podcast at gmail.com. I don't remember. It's beer and backfire at gmail.com. Okay. Well, there we good. go. Yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah. At least we're consistent. Very good. Anyway. Is that a wrap? That's it. Awesome. All right. Bye. 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 So, I, I, I am not going to lie to you. I went to 7-Eleven, right? Yeah. Where yep, other way, there. other way. It's right that there. Way. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and it gave me a cashback option. I hit no, but then it didn't respond. And then I was like, what if I get $5 and I hand it to them? Then I'm literally their sponsor. And then oh, I hit no. and then I hit five dollars and then it and then it took the no that I told it the first time. I was like, well, I guess I guess these guys aren't getting my money. Oh, that's hilarious. But I thought about it. That's really funny. I thought about it. <laughs>